How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Uh, just to let you know, the Jamaica team uh, left this morning at 7.30 from the church. The bus picked them up, taking them down to O'Hare. They're going to be heading down to uh, Jamaica for, I think, a week or 10 days, something like that. And so be praying for them. They're going to be, uh, I think, getting taking the first flight out of O'Hare, and then they have a five or six hour layover in Atlanta, and then from Atlanta to Jamaica. So be praying that God uses them and that they don't have any issues with all the luggage and everything going down there. Um, just traveling's not the way it used to be. Remember back before 9-11? Was anybody around for that? Remember that? It was a whole different story, wasn't it? I mean, it was like a, it was like a family outing. You would go and you'd park the car and mom would bring lunch sometimes and you would go to the, the airport and you'd sit down and wait for the, the call and you'd go in and you'd walk down the jetway and you're like, bye mom, bye, you know, and, uh, and you'd get on the plane. It was just this fun time. Now, they just drop you off out front and they drive off and then you have to go in and then you feel like a convict going through TSA uh, for, the, for half an hour. In fact, just coming back from Arizona just two weeks ago, was coming back, was in TSA, I'm not sure I should tell the story with... Uh, my wife and mother-in-law in the front row, but this is what happened. I was in line. You know how you go through that little machine where you have to stand like this, and the little thing goes around you and checks for metal? I come out, and the guy goes, hold on, sir. And he goes, look at the monitor. And on the monitor, there's this big red dot right here. And he goes, is there something, is there any metal in your pants? And I'm like, I don't think so. And he's like, uh, well, I'm going to have to pat you down. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, is there anything you want to tell me first? I'm like, be gentle. I don't know. <laughs> and so literally in front of everybody, he's patting me down and rubbing me all over. And it was like this super awkward. Uh, I literally get done with that. And I come around to get my bag. And the, the TSA guy goes, is this your bag? I'm like, yes. He goes, come with me, sir. So he has to go through my bag. I'm like, you feel like a convict getting onto an airplane. So hopefully the Jamaica trip does not have any of that going on. It's just a smooth sailing going all the way down. Because I know they're bringing a lot of luggage for, for uh, sea glass. All right, guys. Well, this series is winding down. And we're quickly approaching the Thanksgiving and Christmas season. Can you believe we're already there? This year is just whipping through. Uh, but we have this Sunday, and then uh, next Sunday we'll wrap up the series. Uh, and then on the final Sunday of November, we will start our Christmas series. I don't have a title for it yet. Uh, maybe just the Christmas series. So be prepared for something unique like that. Uh, but you guys know the format by now. So far in this series, what we do is we start out one week by looking at an aspect of God's compassion. And then the following week, uh, we look at how Jesus perfectly modeled that in his own life, and then how we should be imitating Jesus and living it out too. And so, so far, we've talked about the forgiveness of God, we've talked about the long-suffering of God, we've talked about the graciousness of God, and then Pastor Josh talked about the infinite mercy of God. And so, to wrap up this series, I'm going to simply talk about the compassion of God as a whole, but primarily to those who are suffering and hurting and afflicted, Okay. Uh, I think it's important for us to see the heart of God in the midst of our suffering, uh, to see the compassion of God in the midst of our suffering, because if we understand God's true heart while we're in suffering, it helps us immensely, and not only so, it helps us interact with God far more in our time of suffering. So that's my hope in these next two weeks, is to be able to see the compassion of God being poured out on suffering people. I want to start with this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It says this. It goes, Praise be to the God and Father 
of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Now, this is very clearly, clearly talking about God the Father. And it's telling us that God the Father is a Father of compassion and a God of how much comfort? How much does that leave out? None, exactly. And, and he is the God of all comfort. And listen to me, especially those of you who are in a season of suffering this morning, no matter how or why you are suffering, God is the God of all comfort. And so I'm going to run some scenarios past you, some questions past you. I want you to answer out loud. It, it may sound repetitive, but I want you to answer out loud because it's the truth. If we're facing the death of a loved one and the excruciating pain of grief, who can we go to for comfort? God. If we're facing the emotional pain of rejection from a divorce or a terrible breakup, who can we go to for comfort? God. If we're suffering physical pain month after month, year after year, who can we go to for comfort? God. If we're going through extreme financial hardship and, and the mental and emotional suffering that can, that can bring, who can we go to for comfort? God. And guys, if we're suffering from a terrible mistake that we've made and having to endure the consequences of it, who can we go to for comfort? God. Why? Because he's the God of all comfort. And why is he the God of all comfort? Because he is a God of compassion. And we have to really take that in. We really have to allow that truth to marinate in our minds and our hearts because I think so often when we're suffering, we, we tend to think that God's against us. We think that somehow because we're, we're in the midst of suffering, it's proof that God has rejected us. And that's just not so. We're going to suffer. There, there's no getting around that. God never promised us that we would live lives of no suffering. But what he did promise us is that in the midst of that suffering, he will be our comfort. In any and all suffering, we can go to the God of all comfort because he's a compassionate God. Amen? Now, as has been our format this week, we're going to look at examples in the Old Testament where God shows compassion to people suffering in all sorts of ways. And then we're going to see how that impacts us. And I want to start by looking at a time um, where God shows compassion to his people who are suffering, and the Israelites. You remember the story when uh, Jacob moves down to Egypt because Joseph was second in command, and they set up shop down in Egypt, and um, they began to multiply. The, the nation of Israel began to grow from 70 to 140 and into thousands, and, and it grew to this huge, huge nation, so much so that the Pharaoh at that time started looking at all these Israelites as like, sweet daddy, these guys are getting, this is a huge number, and all it takes is them to get mad at us, and they can turn against us, and they can overpower us because they have more people. And so the Pharaoh comes up with this plan. He decides he's going to put them in slavery. So it says in Exodus 1, so they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Not just slavery, ruthless slavery. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, the Pharaoh then decides that to be able to shut down the growth of the Israelites, he comes up with a plan. So he calls all the Hebrew midwives and he says this to them. He says, when you serve as a midwife to the Hebrew woman and you see them on the birth stool, if it's a son, you shall kill him. But if it's a daughter, she shall live. Now, I want you to imagine that. 
I know we've heard the story so many times, we just let it skim right past us, but I want you to put that on for size this morning. Feel what they felt. Imagine what it had been like to wake up early in the morning, go to work, hard labor, being ruthlessly beaten and whipped and, and, and driven to do someone else's work, and then come home at the end of the day exhausted. But then something that always brings joy to a family, to have a little baby, to give birth, it always brings so much joy. But for these people, it goes from joy to something of intense fear. I mean, can you imagine your wife getting bigger and bigger and bigger and what normally you'd be excited to see that, that birth, they didn't know if it was going to be a boy or a girl and they lived with this dread of what's it going to be. Imagine going through the pains of childbirth and being terrified that it's a boy. Now, the wonderful thing is, is that the Hebrew midwives, they feared God more than they feared Pharaoh and so they didn't kill any of the Hebrew baby boys. But the minute that they were born, the family had to hide them and not let the Egyptians see that they had a baby boy. It was a terrible time. Now, as the Israelites were suffering and going through this, guess what they did? They cried out to God to be rescued from their tormentors. Let me show you. Exodus chapter 2. It says, During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. The people of Israel cry out to God. They're, they're begging for a rescue. They're asking God to do something about this horrible situation that they're in, and we see that God heard their cry. He responds. And there's four things in this passage that I want to draw out from this passage that I think will impact every single one of us here, especially in our times of suffering when we cry out to him. And the first is this, God heard their groaning. God is not deaf to our cries. He hears our groanings. And I don't know about you, but this is a big one for me. Have you ever had times in your life where the suffering is so great you're facing such an intense and bitter trial. It's so overwhelming and it's so dark that when you're praying, your prayers come out as groans. You ever had that? I have. Remember one time I came out to the church property in the middle of the night and I was just walking to the paths and I was just crying out to God and, and I was, sometimes I was, I was yelling and I'm just groaning to God. I've had several times like that. And then I would hop in my car and I'd drive back home. And I'll be honest with you, it's so easy at those times as I'm just driving home to just think to myself, well, I have no idea if God heard me. I have no idea if my groaning even made it, made it past the top of those trees. We struggle with the idea that God does not hear us. And especially when the suffering goes on for months and then years. But I'll tell you, it is these kinds of verses that bring comfort. God heard their groaning. God heard their groaning. Listen to me, third service. God does hear us. He does hear our cries. As a father of compassion, he most definitely hears our groaning. And as a father of all compassion, I know that it moves his heart. 
When we were in Arizona, my son, uh, his car wouldn't start, so he had to take my, my scooter to work. And this is like early in the morning, 5.30 in the morning. It's super cold. It was raining some of those days. And, and so he's driving to work on the scooter because he couldn't get it. He was the only vehicle that he was able to use. And he was coming back one of those days, and uh, they had done some road repair. And they hadn't repaired it yet. They just cut a section of the road out. And when he hit it, the scooter hit the edge of it, and it flipped him. And he went tumbling and got road rash all over his back and side, and he messed up his wrist and banged his head. And, and I remember him calling us, and we were said, well, we're going to be there tomorrow. We're so sorry. Do you need to go to the hospital? What's going on? And thankfully, he was okay, but his road rash was really bad. And you know when you get road rash really bad, it starts to weep, and the, the wetness gets there? Well, he, we would be in our bedroom at night, and all of a sudden, we'd hear him going, ah, groaning. And what would happen is the sheets would stick to it, and he'd pull it off and like, ah! And it would always like wrench my heart, but it would like kill Shauna's heart. She's like, oh, and she'd run and go check on him to make sure he's okay. Well, guys, I can tell you something. If Shauna and I can hear our son's groaning, trust me on this, God hears our groanings as well. You want to know why? Because he's a God of compassion and a God of all comfort. He hears us. Please know that this morning. Second thing I want you to see from this passage, it says God remembered this covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. Because God does not forget about us. He remembers his commitment to us. And this is another thing that happens to us when we suffer. We, we think that because we're suffering that God has somehow forgotten us and we feel forgotten. Especially when the suffering goes on for a while and we're like, where are you, God? Where are you gone? Have you forgotten about me? Have I been just looked over? And, and honestly, this emotion and this feeling is very real. But once again, this is simply a lie from the enemy. Our God has not forgotten us. God did not forget the Israelites. He remembered his covenant with the Israelite people. He remembered now, I know that a covenant is a special, unique kind of commitment, but at its root, it's a commitment, and God has made many commitments to us, and one commitment that God has made to us over and over and over again is that we, actually, we must never let go of this, we must cling to as tightly as possible, especially in our times of suffering, is that he will never leave us, and he'll never forsake us. That's a commitment God's given us. He hasn't forgotten us, nor has he forgotten his commitment to us. Listen, we are his children, his own sons and daughters, and parents don't forget their children, usually. Remember when Alex, our firstborn, was, was born. We just, she was just a few weeks old. We went to our first Christmas party afterwards, and I mean, you know how you're carrying the big, heavy little, what's it called, car seat thing? And she was sleeping from the car, and we had a blanket over her, and we went into the house, and I set her in a corner so she could continue sleeping, and she slept through the entire party. And we got done at the end, and Sean and I were like, all right, we'll see you later, and I'm heading for the door. I'm like, oh, yeah, we got, I got a little daughter over here, and I had to bring her. <laughs> so parents, we can sometimes forget, but guess what? God doesn't. And I love this verse in Isaiah. It says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on a child that she has born? Though she may forget, I will never forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Think about that. Your name is engraved on God's hands. God does not forget us. He remembers. 
And he remembers his commitment to us that he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And in the midst of our suffering, that truth right there is sometimes the one thing that can get you through. God hasn't forgotten me. So please remember that. Here's the third thing. God saw the people of Israel. God does not turn a blind eye towards us. He sees us. You know that something that stood out to me over the years is that because we can't see God, we often live our lives like he can't see us. You ever notice that? It says in Psalms, from heaven, the Lord looks down and sees how much mankind? All mankind. Now, that's terrifying when you think about wanting to sin and do evil things. You're just like, ooh, God sees that. But when you're suffering, it's a comforting thing. Remember when we were little kids and, and we would be sick in the middle of the night or sick in the morning and we would be crying out and mom would come to the door and she'd come in and she'd like, oh, honey, what's going on? She'd see us and she'd walk over and like, yo, you're burning up. And she, she, she sees that you're suffering. And for some reason, having mom see that you're suffering just like, ah, oh, I feel so good that someone sees that. We, we, we want people to see our suffering. Like, for instance, do you ever get hurt or something like that? Or something hits you in the head and you're like, ah, oh my word, that hurts so bad. And they're like, let me see. And you're like, see? And they're like, well, I don't see anything. Well, it still hurts, and we get all ticked off. But if they see something, they go, oh, wow, yeah, you got hit. We're like, see? And we, we feel good that somebody saw it. Well, our God sees us in our suffering. And as you lay in your bed day after day, suffering and in pain, God sees you. As you wake up each day with the absence of your husband, or the absence of your wife, or the absence of your child, God sees you. He's not forgotten you. He hears your groaning, and he sees you. And God knows. Verse 25, it ends with this. And God knew. God knows not only you, he knows everything you're going through. He knows. Check this verse out in Psalm 139. It says, O oh Lord, you, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and you know when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. And you search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. You know, suffering is one thing. But suffering alone without anyone knowing that you're suffering, it's the worst. And some people have to endure that day after day. They, they suffer alone. And that's a burden that's often too much to carry. And just having someone know that you're suffering, it, it helps so much. Well, know this. God knows. He knows. He sees you. He hears you. Our compassionate God has not forgotten you. He hears you, he sees you, and he knows everything about you. Do not forget that. And I know many of you are suffering. Many of you are facing incredibly horrible circumstances in your life for no fault of your own. And yet you're the one that has to endure it. And the enemy is doing his best to trick you and to deceive you into thinking God doesn't care. He doesn't remember you. He's forgotten about you. He doesn't hear your groanings. 
He doesn't see your suffering. He doesn't even know what's going on in your life. So sorry, you're going to have to suffer alone. It's not true. From the example of the Israelites in the Old Testament, we see just the opposite. God hadn't forgotten. He saw them, he heard them, and he knew them. And he came to their rescue. We all know the story of Moses, how God raised up Moses. And he came in, and God used him as an instrument to rescue his people. Now here's the truth. He feels the same about you. And the fact that he knows you, and he sees you, and he hears you, should cause you to stand up and rejoice. Because look at what it says in Isaiah. It says, shout for joy, you heavens. Rejoice, you earth. Burst into song, you mountains. Why? Because the Lord comforts his people. And he will have compassion on his what? His afflicted ones. Please, guys, do not ever forget that. It's a powerful truth. Now, I want to take it into a different direction right now. How about this? How about when we cause our own suffering? What about when we're suffering through the consequences that we ourselves brought upon ourselves? Can we expect God to be compassionate with us then? Well, we might think, well, probably not. I mean, if we cause the suffering, it's on us. It's our fault. We just have to suck it up. Well, let's see. Let's, let me read to you a time in Israel's history, and this is found in the book of Judges, and this is a, a time when Israel is, they just, they keep, are evil in the eyes of the Lord, and then God saves them. Evil in the eyes of the Lord, and then God saves them. Here, I'll read it to you. It says, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. So this generation did not know about all that happened in Egypt. It did not know all the crossing of the Red Sea. They were unaware of all the stuff God had done for their ancestors. And it says, and the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals, and they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods, and from among the gods of the peoples who were around them, they bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord, and they served the Baals and the Ashtaroth, so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the land of their surrounding enemies so that they would no longer withstand their enemies. And whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm. And as the Lord had warned and as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were in terrible distress. These people were incredibly wicked people. They had turned against God. They had rejected God. And God had pulled back his protection on them and said, okay, you reject me. The enemy's going to come down on you. And God allowed that. And the enemy came and he pounded the nation of Israel. And it says they were in terrible distress. Does that sound familiar? You ever made a terrible mess out of your life where you turned against the Lord and you chose to follow the world instead of him. And your allegiance to God shifts and you like to sit on the throne of your own life and you start to worship the kingdom of darkness rather than God. And so God pulls back his protection and the enemy basically just plunders your life. And he comes in and he rips your family apart, your marriage apart, your kids don't talk to you, your friends turn their back on you. I mean, the enemy just rips you to shreds and he does his best to destroy you all because you chose not to follow God and you chose to follow Satan. 
And so God basically allows the enemy to attack, and man, attack he does. Let me tell you, as we all know, the enemy tries to take everything. He tries to leave you broken and shattered and distressed. You ever been there? Unfortunately, many of us have. Maybe some of us are right now. And it's our fault. It's our doing. It's our own selfish thinking and selfish acting that has gotten us here. And I don't know about you, but when I find myself in a place like that, I literally think to myself, well, can't really call out to God for his rescue because it's all my fault anyways. God obviously isn't going to raise a finger to help because I deserve this. I have it coming. So I just need to sit back and live out the rest of my life in utter ruin because of my actions. It's so easy to think that. But to think that is to place humanness onto God. It's easy to think that God works the same way that humans work. And how do humans work? Well, we love to look down on people who've made their mistakes. Where we've warned them not to do something, and they go ahead and do it. We're like, well, that's on you, bro. You're going to have to suck it up. You have to deal with the consequences. Don't come crawling up to me and asking for my help because I warned you. We do that all the time, don't we? Remember, way back when I first started as a pastor here, I would come to work early in my one vehicle, and Shauna and the kids would come later. And Shauna's always had a bit of a heavy foot, lead foot. She drives fast, and she was always calling me the grandpa and the slow driver. And when we would drive home, we would always both kind of race, try to get home first and you know, see who the winner was. And, and I was always warning Shauna, I'm like, Shauna, you can't speed. You can't drive fast. You're going to get a ticket. And she's like, okay, grandpa, whatever, you know, and she was mocking me. Well, one Sunday we pulled out, and I was leading down this road here, and I came to the stop sign, and I turned right. And when it became a two-lane, the two-lane road, you know where it turns two lanes there, she's all, she drives by, she's like, loser, and she zooms up to the light. And my kids are, my boys are sitting out the window looking at me like, Dad, you're so slow. And I'm like, don't worry, she's going to pay a price for this, because I saw a cop up there. And sure enough, the cop pulled out behind her, and there was a car between her and and the cop. And she doesn't see the cop. So she's in the mirror going, who's there? And I'm just like shaking my head. Well, the light turns green. She zooms off and pulls her over. So as we're driving by her really slowly, my boys are all, loser. And she pulls up home and she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, don't come crawling up to me. I warned you. Crazy. And that's what we do, isn't it? But that isn't what God is like. He isn't like us. Let me show you what our compassionate God is like. You see that last sentence? And they were in terrible distress. A perfect time for God to say, I told you, Israel. I told you. So suck it up. You got to deal with it. But instead, look at what he does. Let's keep reading that very same passage. It says, then the Lord raised up judges who what? Saved them out of the hand of those who had plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they whored after another, other gods and bowed down to them. And they soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked, who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do so. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? 
Look at these verses here and tell me how many times did they turn away from God? Once or multiple times? Multiple times. And yet our compassionate God rescued them over and over and over again. Why? Because he had compassion on them. He took pity on them because of their groanings. And out of compassion he came to their rescue because of the suffering that they were going through. While God always judges our sin, he never withholds his compassion. And from beginning to end, the, the Bible just completely reveals that God's love is compassionate. His heart is moved by our suffering. Even when we've caused it. He feels pity and sympathy for those who are in pain and, and he desires to alleviate it. I mean, God did this over and over for again, again in the Bible for people who made mistakes. Adam and, Adam and Eve, remember in the garden? They sinned against God, and it wasn't just a little weeny sin. They rebelled against God, brought sin into the world. It brought utter destruction to creation. It was a mess. And they're sitting there in their shame and their nakedness, and at a perfect time where God say, you guys blew it, get away from me, you morons. He doesn't. What is his first thing he does? He makes them clothing out of animal skins. And he continues a relationship with them. He has compassion on them. Remember Cain? Cain's the very first murderer. He, he killed his brother Abel. And so God pronounced judgment on Cain. He says, Cain, I am banishing you. You are going to go out and you're going to be banished. And Cain cries out in distress and he's like, man, God, my punishment is greater than I can bear. You've driven me today away from the ground and, and your face has been hidden from me and I'm going to be a fugitive. I'm going to be a wanderer on the earth and if anybody sees me, they're just going to immediately kill me. And I, I'd be a perfect place for God to say, yeah, deal with it, buddy. You're a murderer. But he doesn't. He goes, no, Cain. If anybody kills you, vengeance will be taken on them sevenfold I'm going to put a mark on you, Cain, so that when people see you, they go, ooh, hands off. That's compassion. Why would God do that? Compassion. God protected a murderer from being murdered himself because he cried out to God. This is the heart of God. Of course, he judges righteously. He always judges our sin righteously, and yet he shows mercy and tenderness, even the guilty sinners, if they turn to him and cry out to him. Why? Once again, because he's a compassionate God. So listen to me. When we suffer in any form, any form, physically, emotionally, financially, materially, relationally, and it's our fault, we've caused it, we've brought it upon ourselves, and we wonder whether God will help us whether God will rescue us, rest assured, God is a God of all comfort and God has compassion towards anyone and everyone who turns to him in humility and repentance. I would encourage you, if you're in that spot, turn to him in humility and repentance because he'll rescue you. That's the God of the Old Testament. And guess what? That's our God. And next week, we're going to see how Jesus perfectly modeled that. And I can't wait for that because there's some awesome stories how Jesus does that. But here's your homework this week. If you're in a time of suffering this week, I want you to encourage you to take some time to pull away.
And what I mean by pull away is don't do this in your living room or your kitchen table. Go somewhere where you can be away from what your normal everyday life is and the distractions of that. Pull away where it's just you and God. And I want you to cry out to him. Let him hear your groaning. Don't hold back. Pour it out. Pour out your heart to him. And as you do that, as just you share your case with God, pay attention to those four things we talked about today. He hasn't forgotten you. He hears you. And he sees you. And he knows. Let those things settle in as you cry out to him in your distress. Amen? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a God of compassion. That you have compassion on your afflicted ones. On those who are in suffering. God, I know that there are many in our family that are going through some very incredibly difficult things, hardships, suffering. God, I pray that this week that you might reveal yourself to them in huge and amazing ways. May they be reminded that you have not forgotten them. May they be reminded that you see them, you hear them, and you know them. And I pray it might bring incredible comfort to them. Pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Let it be so. Amen. Guys, I love you very, very much. Have an amazing week. If anybody would like to be prayed for, uh, these two people on the corners would love to do that for you. Um, But until then, I'll see you next Sunday. Love you all.